Mary Shelley. The introduction by Wendy Lesser to my Everyman's Library edition of Frankenstein has some fascinating biographical information about Mary Shelley. Now, if you have not read this novel before, do not read the introduction yourself. As I've mentioned before elsewhere, despite their criminal misnomer and inappropriate placement, you should never read an introduction until after you've finished the book. I was delighted to discover that at least in this case, Lesser acknowledges just that. Halfway through her essay, she comments, quote, Those of you who foolishly read introductions first should now skip to the novel itself before I ruin the story for you. Unquote. To avoid spoilers, I will serve as your introduction filter. Lesser tells the fascinating story of Frankenstein's origins. In the summer of 1816, Lord Byron was staying at the Villa Diodati, a house he had rented on Lake Geneva to escape the scandals surrounding his recent divorce. After making acquaintance with Mary and Percy Shelley, he invited them to stay with him, along with a doctor friend of his. One unseasonably stormy night, he proposed that they each write a ghost story. In the preface to the 1831 edition of Frankenstein, Mary recalls that her story came to her in a dream. She says, quote, I saw with shut eyes but acute mental vision. I saw the pale student of unhallowed arts kneeling beside the thing he had put together. I saw the hideous phantasm of a man stretched out, and then, on the working of some powerful engine, show signs of life and stir with an uneasy, half-vital motion." Unquote. In that introduction, she then immediately imposes upon this vision a moral theme. Quote, Frightful it must be, for supremely frightful would be the effect of any human endeavor to mock the stupendous mechanism of the creator of the world. His success would terrify the artist. He would rush away from his odious handiwork, horror-stricken. Unquote. When this gathering took place, Mary was still Mary Wollstonecraft Godwin, proudly bearing the names of her famous parents, both notorious radicals. She would not marry Percy Shelley until December of that year, just a few weeks after his first wife committed suicide. At just 19 years of age, she had, however, already born Shelley two children, one that had survived only a few weeks, and the other, a boy named believe it or not, given his namesake in Frankenstein, William. Mary's mother, Mary Wollstonecraft, was a famous writer and passionate advocate for the equality of women. In 1792, when Wollstonecraft was in her twenties, she traveled to France to observe the revolution in Paris. There she conceived a child with an American captain, and, after her relationship with him fell apart, attempted suicide. When she returned to London, she joined a radical group of thinkers that included, among others, William Blake, William Wordsworth, and William Godwin. She and Godwin became romantically involved, and she married him after she became pregnant with Mary's older sister. She died of complications in childbirth when Mary was just ten days old. 
I'm always reluctant to make too much of biographical connections to an author's literary creation. But Lesser makes the interesting observation that Frankenstein is a world largely without mothers. Mary's father, William Godwin, was a writer of fiction and philosophy who advocated for such radical ideas as atheism and anarchism. He was deeply involved in the upbringing and education of not just his own children, but Wollstonecraft's daughter from her prior relationship, a girl named Fanny. Lesser writes that Godwin allowed his daughters, quote, to participate to the full in the intellectual life of the household, which included, at one point, listening to Coleridge read aloud the just-completed Rime of the Ancient Mariner, unquote. What I wouldn't give to have that sort of thing constitute the intellectual life of my household. Godwin was also described as something of a tyrant, who, when people disagreed with him, cut them off for good. When Mary's half-sister Fanny committed suicide, he let her be buried in a pauper's grave, not from any apparent convictions, but merely from personal anger. And when Mary ran off with Shelley, for a time he entirely stopped speaking to her. As you probably already know, Percy Shelley would die in a sailing accident when he was just 29 years old. Mary's life has almost as much drama as the fantastical novel she created. <laughs> 